Welcome to the Dealmakers Coffee Break, where we talk to industry pros about their success stories, deals, and market insights in just enough time for you to enjoy a cup of coffee. So grab your mug and join us for a chat with the people behind the deals. I'm Asaf Raz. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Dealmakers Coffee Break Edition. So this is Mark Hirschberg. He's the managing partner and CEO of Tapaz Capital and general partner in Tapaz Ventures. Please take it away. I'm not going to talk too much. Uh, tell us about yourself, your history, what you're doing today, and we'll continue the conversation from there. Sure. So first of all, thank you for having me. Really, it's uh, it goes way back with you guys. Uh, it's a meeting bar. What is it? Two plus years ago now. Um, through all my buddies in New York real estate. And I can just tell you, uh, it left an impression on me and it left an impression on many of us in the industry. So it's amazing to see how far you guys have gone and to see that my alma mater, Maccabi Ventures, is involved with you guys um, and a lot, of, a lot of folks in the industry. So it's really nice to, to see a lot of close friends and individuals uh, involved. So with that said, I, w- I would love to talk a little bit about what's going on today. I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing, I don't want to, you know, over... A saturate the insurance conversations because mm-hmm. that's really a unique to the Southeast and this podcast mm-hmm. or uh, wholesome than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and yet, uh, you know, I, I, I do want to touch on, you know, what, what could happen, right? So, you know, what we're looking at right now is an environment where our more sophisticated family offices are saying, hey, you know, we want to keep some dry powder for opportunities that are more devalued than it is today. You know, and then we have other, you know, sophisticated investors and family offices and institutions that are saying, well, that's actually not quite our plan. We wanted to deploy capital, but we're going to deploy it a little bit on the credit side. So there's been a credit shift where people are saying, okay, I want to step into a senior position. So we've seen a very large shift from equity to debt amongst investors, um, not necessarily ours personally, but across the space, across the industry. So that's been an interesting shift, you know, going to debt when equity seems uh, few and far between in terms of deal flow and in terms of, you know, deals that could pencil. Now, what I do think is happening is that, you know, the trees are starting to, you know, kind of shake some of the leaves off the tree, if you will. We're starting to see a little bit of the guys that are holding on for as long as they could have are now finally saying, well, you know what, my time is running out. My time is elapsing, right? So there's only so much more, you know, whether it's pretend and extend or extend and forgive, if you will. All those approaches are really not, you know, not so much applicable to those individuals that have stepped into position now where they are seeing not only their interest rates hard to take out their financing, they're also seeing it hard to sell their asset because Mm -hmm. selling today's environment in a buyer's market. Is very difficult. Not to say that you don't get lucky and you don't get you know really good buyers for certain assets in certain locations where people are more aggressive um, and find the right buyer with a with a very peculiar need. What I am saying is rather that there is a sen- there is an overarching sentiment in the market whereby if you're able to hold, you hold, and if yeah. you're not, sell right away because we don't think it's going to get so much rosier. In the near future, we think rates will kind of stay in this five plus percent range. We don't know exactly where, but we do, you know, to quote Jamie Diamond, 
it's it's plausible that we do stay in a higher, you know, quote unquote high interest rate environment. Historically speaking, yeah, it's it's the, it's an environment. It's it's where it should be, kind of right. 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 And if you look at a hundred a hundred year historical average, I was looking at this fantastic chart yesterday. Very very fascinating chart, and it was showing a hundred year averages at six six and a half. So mm-hmm. even the average, we're still below the average by a hundred seventy five. Mm-hmm. According to the agencies, I'm talking Fannie Freddie. You know, you're talking about you know five and three quarters, five and you know, 5.8, 5.9 on all in rates with a 180, 190 spread, right? So you're you're seeing rates still be within, call it tighter rather, of a, you know, tighter than the historical 100-year average. Now, with that said, obviously the economy, we, we all know, right? The economy here is, is definitely uh, stronger and more sophisticated. The banking systems are more sophisticated than they were 100 years ago, right? So, you know, or at least we want, we hope so, right? Because if not, it's it's a little bit of a, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a big mess. Exactly. Or it's a tough, really tough pill to swallow where the, where it, now it's Armageddon, but uh, yeah, it would, it would definitely be a mess to say the least. So that's really, that, that's really fascinating. You know, I, I think we're going to see how that kind of shakes out. Um, I think another element of, of what we're seeing in today's market is, you know, a lot of a lot of people are just they're scared to buy something and then find out that six months later there's been a devaluation on that asset by another five, 10 percent. However, yeah. what I tell most folks is if you're not in the short game and you're in the long game and you have a long-term outlook and you understand the macros. You know fundamentals to the business. What does a five percent devaluation really mean for that individual in a seven-year period or a ten-year hold? Period on a- and it's and it could be a seven, ten-year hold period on a cash-flowing deal that makes positive ROI, right? Along throughout this, the the investment cycle, and the devaluation doesn't really mean it a lot until you get to the exit, right? And even then, like if if you're holding it for ten years, it's probably going to go back, right? Right, exactly, and and to your point, you know what I also interested to hear is like if you're in a position where you know you have five percent devaluation now, but your appreciation is baking in an egg dispo cap, I don't know, six percent, let's just say disposition cap rate, right? You know, then then really, what does that really mean if the market's at five then, or it's at four and a half again, or it was at three percent like it was two years ago, right? So that type of climate kind of inch back, you know. These five percent, you know, shifts in valuations are not going to make a world of a difference. Yeah, they're going to recapture it on the back end. A and B. To your point, it's going to be cash flowing at least. Let's say you go one year of negative, you know, negative leverage. Okay, fine. The one year you don't have positive leverage, you're not seeing good strong cash flow. But after that, you should be able to see a very gradual healthy. Mm -hmm. That's something that you know. I, I think we're trying to remind a lot of our investors, or trying to remind a lot, a lot of our partners, mm-hmm. and are telling us that this is the conversations they're having with their investors as well. What are you doing right now in terms of your investment strategy? How is it maybe unique or different than what you've used to do when looking in, in current market, uh, uh, the market, current market trend? It's a great question. Yeah, so we're primarily a multifamily uh, household name, if you will, in Florida. Um, we're definitely focused. We're Southeast guys. We're focused on the Southeast. Mm-hmm. It's, what, it's what we live, breathe, and know, right? So we're, we're, we're very much concentrated on 
how does multifamily going to fare in the next six to 12 months? And how is our, you know, it's pre-existing portfolio, you know, everything we have right now, how is that faring as well? Right. So that's, mm-hmm. that you know, there's a lot of pain on the asset management side that we've been very fortunate to have a strong team on to, to address a lot of the challenges, or if we want to call them headwinds that we stepped into over the last year, with interest rates ticking up with operating expenses ticking up with gross income coming down because rental rate softening is a nationwide you know, conversation and trend we're seeing. So that, that's been something we've been really you know, focusing on. Now, we've been fortunate to have less of a need to stay on the pulse of every, you know, of, of, you know, hourly decisions, if you will, on the asset management side. Um, we've kind of stepped out of that because we're seeing, you know, we, we feel like we're, we can't say we're meeting a ceiling because we have no idea how much more OPEX could go up, you know, operating expenses can go up. But what we have seen is that we're above 10, that we're, you know, we're underwriting $10,000 a unit in expenses right now. Florida. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just to give you an idea, you know, sense of perspective, this time a year ago or a year and a half ago, we were underwriting eight, seven thousand. Two years ago, it was closer to five, six thousand. So, mm-hmm. you know, we were seeing a, a major uptick and 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 you know, one could call it a run-up of mm-hmm. operating expenses of almost two X in the last two and a half to three years if you're operating mm-hmm. in the Southeast. Uh, Southeastern United States. So that's something that, you know, obviously requires a lot of attention and requires creative solutions, which, you know, I know you mentioned, you know, not talking about anything other than what our primary focus is, which is our primary focus. But we we do invest in some prop tech. And the primary reason is to be strategic so that we can yeah. use the property technologies for mm-hmm. our own benefit, for our own portfolio's benefit. In order to keep within our my 15, 20 minute rules so that the episodes are catchy and it's easy for people to listen, I'm going to go directly into something I call the shameless plug. And the shameless plug is your opportunity to shamelessly plug in what you're doing with Topaz today. Um, if you're looking for something, what you're looking for, if you have new investment opportunities, you can share with the audience, give them your contact info, website, whatever that is, please do it shamelessly. You know where the opportunity is now, and why I think you know we're in a great position is that you know predominantly we don't have a lot of exposure to bridge, right? So we don't have a lot of exposure to floating rate interest, you know, floating interest rate adjustable rate mortgages. That that's not a that's maybe sub fifteen percent of our portfolio, and at which time we're currently refinancing one of those few assets that we currently have on bridge debt, if you will, quote unquote. So. From our perspective, we're very happy because we're not so subject and subject to the volatility of the current market. And we're also taking chips off the table in terms of risk, risk chips is what I call them, risk chips off the table. And that's primarily due to the fact that we are going perm on our deals and we rather return a little bit less money today for a longer term hold anyways, because we're staying in these deals for another five years or four or five years plus. With our investors, mm-hmm. that's, that's their that's their desire. So take a little bit of the risk chips off the table in order to have a greater longevity and be able to also tell your you know you and your investors, us and our investors in our case, you know sleep better at night. So that's something that's really exciting for us in terms of what we're seeing in the market. I think there still is an opportunity for guys to step into perm situations, convert their adjustable rates to perm, 
I, I think there's going to be a nice amount of opportunity for new construction developers that took in 80, 80, you know, 80 percent, you know, construction loans or 80 percent rehab and 80 percent acquisition loans. I'm not saying it's not recoverable story, but they're going to have to layer in some solutions, you know, some solu- some alternative capital um, into the mix. We call it gap financing at Topaz. Shout out to Topaz Gap Financing and our team here because we do some great uh, mes and pref uh, dollars that we put out for fellow sponsors in Florida that against multifamily, you know, 80, 85 or newer assets. So our position has been, we're willing to invest and deploy, you know, debt dollars as well as equity dollars, equity being our main business of buying assets. What we're doing now is we're buying newer product to stay away from these issues of higher operating expenses more fixed expenses instead of variable wild card expenses. You usually have that with older vintage product. And then at the same time, what we're also doing, we're now saying to ourselves, okay, what happens if rents you know, come down 15% in the short term or 20% in the short term? Are we still at a good coverage? And also at the same time, not only are we sensitizing all of our models in terms of cash flow, in terms of disposition cap rates, in terms of our refinance down the road, what we are doing also is we're saying to ourselves, hey, we need to buy at a good price per pound vis-a-vis replacement cost. Because in a market like today, there's the deal volumes down almost 80% according to NMHC. Um, I saw 75% according to Mercadia's report that they shared recently. So there's a massive drop in deal volume. Now, at the same time, that deal volume means lack of drop. You know, The drop in deal volume also means, you know, equates to rather less competition. And what we thrive off of is less competition in certain areas. And so we think there's going to be a good opportunity now not only to continue deploying for, like I said earlier, those high octane, you know, uh, value add guys that failed to execute or just didn't execute in time and or the construction borrowers that have already, you know, done the hard part, you know, already succeeded through the hard part of the project. They're already, you know, vertical on the on the development. And so they need a five million, eight million bucks, whatever it is, several million dollars to st- you know to help them get to the f- the first CEO that they need in order to get real value. And that's something that's been critically important for us is to not only buy good deals and be there, you know, be there for our brokerage relationships um, and our types of servicing relationships, but it's also been important to be there for our fellow sponsors in Florida and say, hey, if you want to borrow our money, we're going to try to be more competitive. Than your mes and pref lender out there because we understand your position better. We're in your position. We get it. So that's something we're doing uh, quite a bit as of the call of the last six plus or minus months. Mm-hmm. But I would still say our singular focus, our, our primary focus rather, is to get the lower basis primer located assets, um, mm-hmm. new vintage, and you know pick those up at let's call it. 20, 30% less than what they were valued at six, eight, 12 months ago. And take a good position in those deals. We're trying not to go negative leverage day one in today's environment. However, there are some deals that make sense. You know, you get the right price per pound and you get the right narrative and location of the asset. It sometimes really is worth, and rents are really low and suppressed for whatever reason. It makes sense many times to just step into that position with negative leverage for a year or less than a year or two years. And it's not uncommon, right? So 
that's something that people have to remember is just because everyone's solving for positive leverage day one doesn't mean that negative day, le- leverage day one is going to be an epic failure because it's not. It's all depend- it's it's a more dynamic situation than that. And so that's what we're seeing on our end, and we're excited. You know, we what we pride ourselves on is that we are really all about our reputation, and so. When we go out there, we're, we're, we're dealing with brokers, we're dealing with you know investors, we're dealing with our servicers across the spectrum, whether it's title, insurance, and otherwise, we 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 really make it our we really take it upon ourselves to make them feel like our family, part of the Topaz mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. That we say that to our employees, you know, to our employees, to our partners, and and the reason is because the more they feel like a sense of family, the more they feel like they're part of something, the more you're going to think about them, and the mm-hmm. more you think about them with sincerity. And so that's something we're trying to do in today's environment that a lot of other shops are not doing. We're also honing in on the relationships that we're closest with. And we're saying, okay, let's go to bat together. Let's go after deals and let's take a sharpshooter tactic. Because in this environment, for the first time in a long time- 14 years, by the way. It's 14. In over four, almost over 14 years, right? So seeing that you can actually now- Say, hey, you know, broker's not so busy where he's saying, oh, I'm busy all day long. I have 100 CAs signed, 50 tours by tomorrow, and, and they're all inundated. I'm not saying the best brokers aren't still busy. They are. I'm talking to them, and a lot of them are still busy. What I am saying is that they have more time on their hands to help you solve for your strategy. Mm-hmm. So go to them. And they know you and they've closed with you and they understand how you do work and they want to continue working with you. It's not so far-fetched to ask them, hey, here's a list of properties that I want to target. I think I could get aggressive on for these X and YZ reasons. I think they're going to be willing to sell. And so that's something we've done now that we haven't done before, candidly. And we've tried it before. We've tested the market with it. We tested the brokers with it. And it wasn't successful because they were so preoccupied by just making money and listing deals. And for the first time in a long time, we are seeing them finally be, become more amenable to the fact that there has to be more proactive sourcing with your best clients, with your best buyers, or call it natural, the guys you want to work with, natural buyers, and work with them to see what types of deals you could you could take down. And so that's me. Yeah. Really, really exciting for us um, is the more sharp. So, yeah, no, I appreciate everyone uh, listening in, and I uh, would love it if you guys could reach out. I'm always available to have a conversation. You can reach out to me at mark at topazcg.com, M A R C at topaz, T O P A Z, C G as in capital group.com, as well as at topaz capital on Instagram, Facebook. And then on LinkedIn, we're at Topaz Capital Group. Please follow us on all the mediums. Uh, we share relevant data. Also, if you go to our website and subscribe, uh, throw in your email there to the subscription of our e-newsletter, you're going to receive not only important e-newsletter, quarterly e-newsletters about the industry, you will also receive insight and research reports that we provide, we publish. Um, and so we encourage you to reach out, to subscribe, and anyone who has any questions, we're always available. I love it. Mark Hirschberg, thank you so much for joining me for another episodes of The Dealmakers. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Asaf. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for joining us. 
check out more episodes on the Dealmakers podcast available on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, and Agora's website at agorareal.com slash podcast. See you in the next episode.